It's been a little while since we've given you an update on how Kingdom Vineyard is doing in terms of our finances. And so this morning, in the spirit of transparency and accountability to our church, we're taking a week out of our series in the book of Acts, as Rachel said, to let you know where we are, what resources we have, and how we're using those resources to work to bring in the kingdom of God in East Fife. Straight away, I want to address any awkwardness in the room that's descended as soon as someone said finances or money. Anyone who's just subconsciously felt the need to fold their arms and glare at me, or just put your hand on your wallet. <laughs> it's okay, buddy, we're going to get through this. <laughs> we're not talking about money this morning to make anyone feel guilty or pressured. It is not a talk to plead with you that you must all sell your left kidneys to support the work of Kingdom Vineyard. No, it's not. <laughs> I just want to call out and recognize that in some churches, on some occasions, Giving talks have been used as sticks to beat people with, to use guilt or shame to try and squeeze money out of people. Please hear me. That is not our heart this morning. And let me tell you, if money can be an awkward topic to be preached to on, it can be even more awkward to preach on. But as I've been preparing for this morning, as I've been looking into attitudes to money and giving, I've become more and more encouraged about talking to you about this this morning instead of discouraged. That this is a really important area to speak on, not for the church's sake, not for the church's bank account, but for our sakes as members of the church, the body of Christ. The principles of generosity, of godly attitude to our stuff, are good principles. I'm actually now really sorry that we don't have more time to spend looking into Jesus' generosity. We might come back to this topic in the future. There is lots of great stuff to explore here, life-giving stuff. So if you're a guest this morning, uh, especially if you're trying out church for the first time, I want to take a moment to tell you that even if you're sitting in an, on an internal conversation, you are really welcome this morning. And if the beginning of this talk has just confirmed every one of your stereotypes, see, they're just after your money, then I hope that when you hear our heart about money and possessions, as I briefly share on those things this morning, that those suspicions are overturned, and that you hear that we are absolutely not out to pressure anyone into anything. So shortly, Jesse's going to come up and talk us through the details, uh, but before he does, I want to share a little about money and giving, and what place that has in the life of God's people. I want to, even before I get to that, preempt a few questions that may have popped into mind for some of you, so I can call them out right at the beginning. Is this a money talk this morning because Kingdom Vineyard is in financial trouble? No. We're doing well. Year on year, we've increased the budget that we want to spend on doing God's work in East Fife, and year on year, we have received enough money for that work. In fact, ask Jesse later about some miraculously guessed figures where when the money came in, it was within pounds of what we'd prayed for and estimated. God's been really kind to us. Not only are we doing all right, actually, that's pretty impressive in a year where the leadership has transitioned. In a year of transition, I've heard it quoted that a church can expect to lose 20% of its income. That's not been our story. Our budgets have been increasing, not decreasing. We're tracking our finances very studiously indeed. I can tell you, Jesse is a hawk for receipts. He has the spiritual gift of tracking income and expenditure like a boss, and I have claw wounds. <laughs> but we're doing well, friends. So, are we having a talk about money this morning because Kingdom Vineyard is in financial need? No. 
Second question that might have occurred to you, are we having a talk about money this morning because God is in financial trouble? No. No, God's doing really well in this financially tough time. Um, Cuts and austerity didn't quite hit heaven. Psalm 50, verses 9 to 11, uh, says that the Lord owns the cattle on a thousand hills. And in verse 12, if I were hungry, I would not tell you, says the Lord, for the world is mine and all that is in it. I love that. God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. It's like the queen owning every swan in the UK, but like much, much better. (laughs) And I've never tasted swan, but I love me a fillet steak, so... Like chicken. Yeah, but like really rich chicken. Nice. So we don't need to panic. God is not broke and needs to borrow a tenner. It's okay. God is, in fact, outrageously generous, including in finances. Okay, so if those are not the reasons why we're talking about money today, why are we? And I have three reasons for you. Firstly, God doesn't need our money but he does need our hearts. Jesus is uncompromising that nothing can be more important to us than our relationship with God. Regarding money specifically, he said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. For Jesus, money is about a relationship issue. It's a heart issue. You know, when Rachel and I got married, uh, we decided to merge our bank accounts. It's not because we were looking at each other's finances and thinking, (laughs) woohoo. Really not. (laughs) Our decision to do that was us reflecting that our decision to share everything shouldn't have exclusions. In our marriage, we wanted our treasure, what treasure we had, to be where our heart was, shared and for both of us. Well, if that's a marriage between people, what sort of relationship with Jesus would have some areas ring-fenced and hidden around the back? So it's a heart issue, number one. Number two, the second reason we should speak on money and giving is because it's often an awkward topic in churches. I think that the awkwardness around money can mean that the topic can be shied away from and neglected in the wider church. But it's important for Christians. How we steward our finances, how we decide to handle our possessions. Do you know, I honestly believe this is a spiritual discipline. It's not a topic that God neglects. There are a couple of Harvard MBAs, uh, Masters of Business Business Administration students, who uh, did a bit of a study on this. And they discovered the following about the priorities that God lays out in the Bible. There are about 500 verses in the Bible relating to prayer. About 500 relating to faith. But there are 2,350 verses relating to money and possessions. And Jesus talks about money and stuff in 16 of his 38 parables. Can you imagine a church that never talks about prayer? A church that never talks about a relationship with God and the part that faith has to play in that. There would, rightly, be uproar. And yet, Jesus taught and challenged about money, the topic of our finances and our stuff, more than most other topics. Friends, it's right that we talk about money. It's an issue that's so important to Jesus and that he wants to address with us. That's one and two. (coughs) Pardon me. The third reason why it's good to talk about money in church 
is that living with the right attitude to money is key to our mission to bring in the kingdom of God into East Fife. There's two sides to this. Firstly, people will notice when Christians demonstrate and live out God's outrageous generosity. At last year's Vineyard Leadership Conference, there was a guy called John Tyson who spoke, who challenged us, God's people, to be known for reckless kindness instead of reckless living. Let people say, those Christians, they just can't keep their wallets in their pants. I thought it was brilliant. The witness statement that our lives make will testify to what God is like. If we're stingy or penny-pinching, then the God that we're showing people around us looks like one who's stingy and tight-fisted. That's not Jesus. The other side to this point about mission is that with a right attitude to money, we demonstrate to God that we're serious. We show him that we're committed, that we are truly all in. And when we do that, I'm convinced that he releases more blessing, more of his presence to do his works. If there is anyone who's feeling shame or manipulation whilst I speak or condemnation while I'm sharing this, you need to know that's not coming from God. That is not from Jesus. That's the enemy. God brings us conviction of things he wants to get our attention for. Man, that thing, I really need to do that. That's what the Lord does. Not condemnation that makes us hang our heads low and feel crushed. Like, oh man, I feel awful. I'll never be good enough. That one's not from God. God is the type of God who hitches up his robes to run after the prodigal son, welcomes the worst of us with open arms, throws his robe around us, places his gold ring on us, honors us. I believe that Jesus desires freedom for us, not captivity or being trapped. That Jesus wants us to flourish, not feel bound by anything. Okay, so what attitude should we have to money? I want to tell you, in short, money is not evil. Money is neutral. It doesn't have any spiritual value. For those of us who've come from comfortable backgrounds, you are not automatically sinners. For those of us who are planning careers that will bring in high salaries or working in a place where you're well remunerated, you're not sinners just because of that. This is a heart issue. It's much more about our heart toward money, our attitude. But Jim, you might say, doesn't the Bible say that money is the root of all evil? Famous as that quote is, that's not actually what the Bible says. If we see the passage in context, Paul tells Timothy, now there's great gain in godliness with contentment. For we brought nothing into the world, we cannot take anything out of the world, but if we have food and clothing, with these we'll be content. Those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kind of evils. Just check that again. The love of money is the root of all kind of evils. It's through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. But as for you, O man of God, and I think women of God too, pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, gentleness. It is not money that is evil. It is our love of it that is the root of all kinds of evils. Selfishness, 
greed, deciding not to give to someone who's in need, broken relationships, lies. And how many relationships are ruined by money worries? How many have tragically taken their own lives because of money worries? The love of money and the fear of not having enough money are controlling forces in our world. I'd go so far as to say that money is one of the gods of our age, a dominant spiritual force. Our actions often show, I think, that we think that the fear of money is the beginning of all wisdom. Our actions give the lie that we should love money with all our heart, all our minds, and all of our strength. Are our actions betraying that we worship and fear money? I think so. And hear me right, I'm not pointing a finger from a position of sortedness. I'm on my own journey with this. But throughout the Bible and throughout human history, God has had no time for idols. Anything, anything that is set up as a barrier in our relationship with him, anything that distracts us from who God is and what he's like has to be torn down. Our attitude to money has to be part of and in submission to our attitude to God. So God gave a commandment to his people to give, to help steer us right on this. Remember, God doesn't need the money. This is for us. When God put in place the rules of giving to his priests, to his tabernacle and temple, I think he did want to use this priest system to show generosity to those in need, to equip them to give the right glory to God, but also to make sure that God's people had a regular system, like an ancient standing order, if you will, to regularly be giving to God. Submitting our stuff to God, to the God from whom we get everything, anyway. Making sure that that stuff can never become more important to us than he is himself. You shall tithe all the yield of your seed that comes from the field year by year, and I'll just skip to the end, so that you may learn to fear the Lord your God always. That's why. It's for us. It's to keep us pointed in the right direction. It's a heart issue, not a wallet issue. If you're interested, our English word, tithe, comes via the Old English, How do I say that, mate? (laughs) Great. But although the word is different in Hebrew, the principle of giving one-tenth of our produce or our earnings as a gift to God goes right back to Genesis and to Abraham. So, Jim, hasn't Jesus changed the system? Is the Old Testament idea of tithing done away with now that Jesus has fulfilled the law? Kinda, but no. The New Testament only mentions the word tithing once. In the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 23, verse 23, even there, it's mentioned as part of an example of people fulfilling religious duty while missing the heart of what God wanted from them. Tithing as a command is notably absent from the New Testament. But, but, giving to God, to his work, and to people in need is not absent at all. If anything, In the New Testament, the challenge to make sure that money doesn't become an idol for us is even clearer. The early Christian community we've been looking at in Acts twice has been described as giving whatever is needed to make sure that people's needs are met. 
And all who believed were together and had all things in common, and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all, as any who had need. And with great power, the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. Great grace was upon them all. There was not a needy person among them, for as many as were owners of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold and laid it at the apostles' feet. And it was distributed to any or to each as, as any had need. The standard, then, in the New Testament. God's demands of us, his expectation of us, are higher than a regulated 10%. So those of us who like to have a solid figure to hold on to could get nervous at this point. What am I being asked to give? Everything. Everything. Friends, if we have met the God who gives us everything and who invites us into a full, restored relationship with him, then what he wants from us is a full relationship, our everything. God is not up for hobby Christianity. He wants us all in. So that means that, yes, we might decide that we're going to be giving 10% of our income to the Lord's work in our local church, but then the Lord might turn around to you and say, psst, I want you to give your car to that person over there. And turning around to him and saying, ah, but Father, I gave my 10% this month, is not going to cut it. The call on God's people in the New Testament is to hold on to God so tightly and everything else so loosely with open hands that we couldn't even miss the stuff much if we gave it away. Contentment, Paul wrote to Timothy. Don't get me wrong. I know this is challenging. We're locked into systems that work in money, managing budgets with student loans, looking for work, paying off mortgages. These are all things that keep forcing money back into the center of our vision. But God is not up for allowing any worrying concern or any glittering distraction to take primary place over our relationship with him. Money, giving, these are heart issues not wallet issues. Jesus' own words, or just some of them on the matter, are, do not lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, or treasures on earth, sorry, where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. Skipping the middle bit, even though it's great, just for time. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. They'll pull you in opposite directions. We must be aware. We must choose which will be our focus. But what about my mortgage, Jim? I'm not saying we should be irresponsible. In fact, I think God approves of us being responsible stewards. I'm saying that our attitude to money has to be settled in, in submission to our relationship with God. Jesus promises that he'll take care of us. And more than that, that he'll give us his kingdom generously. Our God is outrageously generous. He's so kind. And that doesn't mean I'm saying, give God your money and he'll give you a mansion. I'm not a fan of what's called the prosperity gospel. God's generosity is to take care of our needs. 
but also to bless us with stuff that really matters. Himself, his kingdom coming, life, fulfillment, love, the stuff that we would throw all our money at trying to achieve anyway. And, and, my experience is that when you give up everything for God, like saying yes to him and moving to Fife to lead a church, dropping three quarters of your income and moving to a place with a much higher cost of living than your previous city, for example. <laughs> God doesn't just miraculously fill the gap. He goes way beyond it, way beyond it. So that I don't overrun any more than I have. Go and read Luke chapter, two, uh, chapter 12, sorry, 22 to 31 later. So back to the practical question. Jim, what are you saying I should give? I think that the headline answer is, whatever God tells you to, be ready to give everything. Means developing a relationship with him that is sensitive to his nudges and an open hand with the stuff that God asks you to give. And to add to that headline, I think that the principle of tithing 10% to your local church uh, as a start to Jesus' generosity is a good one. I believe that the local church is the hope of the world, that the community of God's people, the body of Christ in each local area, is God's number one way of transforming this world. And so, this is not a brag, but I want to share with you for the sake of honesty, Rachel and I personally give 10% of our income to this church, and I would endorse that model to you too. We also support a couple of other charities, uh, but they come after that first 10%. Our monthly model is to start with 10% of giving to the mission of God in our area through Kingdom Vineyard. And we're ready to give whatever God tells us to in addition to that too. And I'm getting better at representing God's outrageous generosity situation by situation too. Friends, I honestly believe that we can't outgive God. And I honestly believe that supporting his work through the church in our local area with regular giving is a spiritual discipline that's helping me to get my priorities right, as well as then being part of funding God's mission in that area. I honestly believe that making God number one in our lives, even above money, is a freeing gift to his people. As we turn to look at Kingdom Vineyard's own particular financial situation, can I offer you a gentle challenge, friends? Not because Kingdom Vineyard is in particular need, as you're about to hear, but although the church could always do more with more resources, for the sake of each of your own relationships with God, can I ask you to consider what motivations have led you to make your decisions around giving to church? Is a fear of God or a fear of money the main driver? I want to encourage you not to review your giving, but to review your heart for giving. It's between you and the Lord. and Make any decisions from there. This was nowhere near as much time as I'd have liked to dig into all of this, and it was already too much time. I'm going to invite Jesse to share with you, did you say yep, <laughs> our church's position, and leave you with this conclusion from me. Come on up, mate. The topic of God and giving is about our own relationship with him. Nothing, including money, should come between us and Jesus, and he's outrageously generous anyway. Jesse, hop on up, mate. I'm the guy with the pie. They ask a musician to look after the finances. <laughs> I've heard um, 
that if you steal a man's wallet, he'll be poor for a week, but if you teach him guitar, he'll be poor for a lifetime. <laughs> now, uh, I've got some, uh, some numbers and some percentages to give to you, but before you begin to turn to stone, let me just uh, put you at ease. I've got three very simple and very colorful charts, just a little bit of explanation uh, that will leave you a good deal wiser about where we get money from and what we do with it. So first, chart number one, where do we get money from? Well, basically from you. Uh, as a vineyard church, we are indeed part of a larger family of vineyard churches, but each individual church <coughs> excuse me, has to cut the clothes according to their own locally produced cloth. In other words, there's no big pot of money somewhere that we can dip into. Everything we need, we have to raise. It means that there are no zombie churches, basically, that are being sustained by uh, some external fund. Uh, each church has to survive based on its own faith and the generosity of uh, everybody who belongs to it. Last year, you gave this number here, uh, just shy of 94,000. Well done. Let me break down how we receive that amount because it's important and it might affect how you choose to give. The yellow and orange segments are all direct gifts uh, to Kingdom Vineyard. That breaks down into 30% uh, by standing order or bank transfer. That's the yellow bit. Uh, that's by far our preferred way to receive gifts because they're generally very regular and we don't have to pay charges on that. There's no fees. And then 21% is the orange one. Uh, that's all the cash and checks that you put in the baskets every Sunday. The gray segment at the bottom is uh, income we receive through online electronic services like GoCardless and Stripe. Now, although those are probably the most convenient ways to pay from your point of view, they're actually the most expensive. Um, uh, we pay about 3% um, of, of gifts that come in that way in, in fees. So if all of that money had been given directly to the bank account, we would have saved about six or 700 pounds. Um, now, if you currently, I'm, I'm telling you that so that if you currently give that way, you might want to consider changing, but there's no pressure. We definitely receive more by offering those services than we would by not offering those services, but it's simply not the most efficient way. Just got to be honest about that. Anyway, onwards. The blue segment is gift aid. The government returns tax paid uh, on uh, gifts given by those who are paying tax, basically. Um, the government... Uh, does that now, who knows whether they will always be friendly to churches, but uh, that's, that's what we are able to gain. And as you can see, it's a significant uh, sum. So if you're a taxpayer, you should definitely gift aid. The red segment is 10% of our income that's restricted. Sometimes somebody gives a gift and says, I want you to use it for dot, dot, dot. And we have to spend it that way. Uh, those are normally gifts for the storehouse ministry. Much of that comes from local folk who want to support storehouse but don't necessarily want to support our religious activities. I'll say more about that in a moment. But for now, that's the first slide. That's the money that's come in, and that's where it's come from. Slide number two, expenditure. How have we spent that money? Mostly on people. That's the big green slice there. You can see that just over half has gone towards salaries. It looks like, like a lot, but I just want to get into a little bit of nitty-gritty here. With that money, you employ Jim for four days a week and get him for about six. Uh, you, get, you pay for Rachel for one day a week. You get her for about two or three. You pay me for three days. You get about five or six. 
you pay Scott for one day to run storehouse, you get about eight days a week out of him. Um, so, so actually, what I, what I want to do is, is, is show you that that big green chunk is actually not that big relative to, the, to what you're getting for it. Also, those who are receiving salaries are all in the top 10 highest givers in the Kingdom Vineyard. And I say that not to boast in us, but simply to boast in God because he is the one who gives us everything that we need. So a lot of that green goes back into the big yellow in the first chart. So thanks, everybody. Uh, the light blue chunk uh, is rent that we pay and running costs for the Vineyard Center, which is a crucial tool for our ministry. Other costs uh, that I've labeled there include the cost of hiring this hall, the cost of catering uh, for Sunday mornings and other events, the cost of running the office. There's a bunch of other smaller segments there which aren't labeled, but just so that you know that they're not the Jesse Dooley Whiskey Fund. Um, let me uh, just tell you, they pay for small and insignificant areas of expenditure like worship and Young Vineyard and, you know, training resources, conference fees, travel expenses, accounts, examinations, insurance policies, and all those fun things. One last segment to talk about. That slice of peach that's there on the left is the money that we give away. What we encourage of individuals is something we also do corporately. We give 10% of our income to external organizations who are doing the kind of work that we're not able to directly get our hands into ourselves. So if anyone asks you the questions like, what is this church doing to combat human slavery or homelessness or cancer? or to support victims of domestic abuse. You can say that as well as preaching about the good and beautiful God who is the solution to all of these problems, we also give of our financial resources. Now, the eagle-eyed among you will have noticed uh, that the tithe says 9% and not 10. What's that all about then? Well, I said I'd go back to the first slide, if you could, and talk about that 10% of income, which is restricted. We simply cannot choose how to spend that money. So the tithe that we spend is 10% of all the other bits. So that makes 9% of the whole. Got it? Good. The restricted funds that we receive are gratefully received. Um, yeah, um, but the, 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 they do tie our hands somewhat. Um, the reality is that when people give and they say, we want you to use this for storehouse, they've not realized that if the Kingdom Vineyard didn't exist, neither would storehouse. And so, and so really what we need is just support for us. What you also should know is that the financial resources needed to maintain storehouse far exceed the amount that we get in as restricted funds. Kingdom Vineyard is committed to storehouse. And so we will make sure it happens one way or another. So no one should be in any doubt that to give an unrestricted gift to the Kingdom Vineyard means that Storehouse will go without. That simply will not happen. So if you're here and you restrict a gift to Storehouse, please just consider um, uh, unrestricting that gift because that will make us more generous, not less generous. Finally, the last chart. This is the last six years plus this current year. I like to work in sevens. It's God's favorite number. Um, 
is a quick comparison of our income and expenditure over the last six years plus our budget for this year. The green is in, the red is out. And as you can see, over the years, we've sometimes had a little more in than out, and sometimes we've had a little more out than in. But you can also see a general trend upwards. Uh, from about the 80k mark to around, well, this year was 96k in expenditure, uh, in income, sorry. Uh, each year, the trustees budget with faith that God will not only provide what we need to maintain what we do, but also grow what we do. And our faith has been met with God's faithfulness. For this upcoming year, we've budgeted for just over £100,000. Uh, sorry, I'm just getting or a model here. Uh, for that to happen, we'd need to see, that, see a modest increase uh, of income of about £7,000 uh, for that to work. Now, to put that in real figures, um, that would be two, two households uh, earning 35 k choosing to tithe. Or it would be um, one household earning 35 k to tithe and uh, 10 students to give £30 a month might seem like uh, a lot of money when you see it as that big number, £7,000, but when you think about it like, uh, like, what can I give? Maybe it's not so big after all. Uh, so the trustees normally uh, budget for maintenance and a bit of growth. This year holds many uncertainties. Uncertainties. Uh, so this is actually essentially a maintenance budget this year. Um, we've got faith for more money, but essentially to do the same stuff as we're currently doing. So it's not up to me to inspire you about what we could do if that income figure rocketed, but I will say this, that God seems to have always had his hand on us to do more than seems possible with the available resources. So if you think we're just a bit more, we could do a lot more. But we need each of us to be active participants in God's provision. I'm going to correct Jim, actually. Jesus did instruct you to tithe. He said to the Pharisees, you guys tithe, but you've neglected mercy and justice. You should have done the former without neglecting the latter. You should tithe. Sorry, I'm just going to get a bit hardcore on people there. So, sorry to correct you at, at the lectern. But anyway, there we go. <laughs> Everything we've modeled as a church organization, giving away 10% and believing in God that in so doing, he will expand the potential for what we can do with the remaining 90%. We believe that's the model for us as individuals, and God has shown himself faithful. The end. Thank you. The almost end. Um, this, there's so much to say on this this morning, and we've absolutely crammed it in. But I'm going to steal another more, five more minutes, and then we'll have some uh, worship late, and then you can go and get a late coffee and donut. We have told you a little bit about finances this morning. Thank you, Jesse, for that 100-mile-an-hour report. Um, what we haven't included in that, the eagle-eyed might spot, is that last year, last summer, we raised in this church £7,000, which were the extra costs that it cost us to take on a voluntary pastoral assistant or intern. Just briefly, if I can have some slides. Caitlin, while she's been here, has transformed our Instagram by making one for us. <laughs> she's transformed our Twitter by making it look good. She's transformed our Facebook by making that look good and actually having some posts on it. 
She helped to finish off a website project that really, she needed to get us over the line on that. She helped make these beautiful uh, home group slides, and we'll just stay there, if that's all right. If you look behind you, you'll notice some beautiful looking notice boards. If you are new, you may have been given one of these brand new beautiful welcome packs. Caitlin, come stand next to me. We raised 7,000 pounds that was kind of what we expected to be the bare minimum to be able to, to take on the extra costs of having an extra staff member and offering the training that was right and just. She's worked her socks off for that. Could you give her a round of applause? Oh, guys, you don't know how happy that makes me. Thank you so much for celebrating it. Honestly, I'm welling up here. That's amazing. Um, she's, still, she's still going. We've got her until June um, for this year that she's doing with us. Uh, how's that gone? Is it all right? Yeah, it's been all right. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, I've absolutely loved the past eight months. And when thinking about like what I've really enjoyed and looking back, it's the time spent in the office and laughing. It's sitting around the dinner table with Toby and Carol, soaking up the wisdom from them. It's getting a good night hug from Iona McPhail every single night. <laughs> and just being part of this family has just blessed me so much. Thank you, mate. We'll hear a little bit more from you, but um, that money that was raised, just to be really clear, Caitlin hasn't received a penny of it we're not able to pay her. That, that's the, the system that we started on. She's volunteered this year completely unpaid. We've made sure she's not gone without. She's been fed and she's been housed, but she's not received a penny. So she's really sacrificed and then worked her socks off. Um, go and pat her on the back later. Thank you so much for round of applause. Have a seat, mate. <laughs> this morning, I am ecstatic to announce that Al, who's been stood up here leading worship for a little while, some of you may know him, is... Uh, it's going to do the same with us next year. So introducing our voluntary pastoral assistant from summer 2019, summer 2020. Good job, mate. Yes. Yes, it's going to be great. Um, we're running over and I'm going to let you play guitar in a minute. But briefly, what are you looking forward to over the next year, mate? Oh, briefly? Yeah. Oh... G Jesus? No, I'm <laughs> no. um, I've, I've been part of this church for four years, and um, I just, I love this family, I love this community, and it's been so much fun to um, serve up here and serve at home group um, and in other ways. And so I'm looking forward to kind of continuing that, um, working with um, the other staff members to like support different ministries, um, being trained, that's going to be super fun, um, receiving some like theological training, going to conferences, um, hopefully supporting some more students. Um, there's just like so much that this church does, and I'm so looking forward to getting involved in that. It'll be so much fun. Thank you, mate. Stay here. So, um, Alistair and his lovely wife-to-be, Lucy, woo, um, are going to be living in the area. But uh, So that means that some of the costs that we raised for Caitlin for being able to house her won't apply to these guys. They're looking after their own costs. But in terms of the training, the stuff we want to do with Alistair, uh, it's still going to cost about £3,700. So Alistair has a Give.net page. This is not tithing. This is not the 10% that we're talking about uh, giving to a local church and beyond. This is the beyond. 
the costs that we've talked about, that Jesse talked about with the pie charts, didn't include the income and the expenditure for Caitlin. If you feel like you could support Alistair in this next year, I'd love you to have a chat with him. He can give you the address for this. Um, we would we'll need to raise the money to be able to spend money on training Alistair and doing these fun things. Uh, so I'd love to make you aware of that. If that wasn't exciting enough, come and stand next to me again, mate. Um, Caitlin has spent the year sacrificially not earning any money, serving her guts out for this church. And I'm even happier to announce that Caitlin's staying for a second year. And so... <laughs> So we were able to increase the amount of stuff that we did in the office by having Caitlin this year, and she blew our capacity out of the water. Next year, we're going to have a Caitlin and an Alistair. I am absolutely... <laughs> I mean, are we happy? You decide. If you would like to support the funding, the being able to do some work with this of either of these guys, please. Did I make this? Uh, this actually in itself is an argument for keeping Caitlin's communication skills. She makes all the nice things normally. Please chat to these guys. A final thing before we have a very short time of worship to close is this. Last year we estimated it was going to cost us, the church, £7,000 to take on Caitlin. She not only was really frugal and saved money from that, which allowed us to carry some over. But to keep Caitlin that year with a bit of a carryover, it's only going to cost us £3,400. If, with Alistair and Lucy looking after their own roof and some food, we're able to raise the money to have an Alistair as well, that will only cost us £3,700. Beforehand, I was talking to you about God's heart, and I didn't make an ask. Friends, this is an ask. Above what you give to the work of the church, because that wasn't included in those pie charts, if you are able to support these guys... We are literally getting two for one. I'll put in the hundred quid extra myself. Cheapest item free, you discuss that later. <laughs> oh, gosh. Before this summer, I would love it if we and the people we know who have a heart to see us be able to increase in this capacity to invest in these guys, and let me tell you how much we receive back in return, uh, we'd love to raise £7,100 to have the both of them, to pay for the cost, to train them to invest in these guys over the year, and then still they don't receive a penny of it. That is the end. Give them both a round of applause, please, because they're incredible. Yeah. Friends, we have overrun drastically, and that is entirely my fault. Jesse was really quick. So um, we're just going to have five or so minutes of worshipping, praising the Lord. Uh, can I invite you to stand? I want to pray for you. Now, it may well be that anything that you heard this morning from the microphone or anything that the Lord nudged you about, you actually want to bring to him in prayer. We're going to have a lightning-fast prayer ministry that means if the Lord nudged you, you've got to come as soon as I say amen. And fill a space here, because like, as soon as we've heard another bar, I'm going to say that's it, and we're going home. Let's pray. Let's pray. Oh, Lord, you're so kind. You're so generous. We love you, Lord. We're so grateful for your kindness to us. And Lord, would you bless Caitlin? Would you bless Alistair? We're so grateful for them and their service. And would you bless and expand your work in East Fife. Come, Holy Spirit. Lord, would you be speaking to each of us now? 
about our relationship with money and our relationship with you. Come, Lord, be the number one in all of our hearts, for your sake. Not the church's bank account, but for, for our sake and for your sake. And come, Lord, and do your stuff.